The Sit With Warriors podcast originated with the concept of simply that. The idea of when you sit with warriors, the conversation is different. And when someone put it to me that way, I really sat and reflected on how many incredible women, women warriors, leaders, heroines, mentors, badass women that I think would be incredibly inspiring for others to hear from. So we put forth this podcast in the hopes of sharing stories of authenticity and of inspiration. All the guests I have on the podcast will share with you real and authentic stories of love and life and laughter, of moments of transition, of moments of triumph, of those moments of aha, and perhaps some of the lowest. But they're all here to share and for us to sit together. So I ask, will you share with us and sit with us? Tonight, we sit with Venice. Well, my friend, I love and actually really love all the parts of you in that podcast. But at the same time, I I very much appreciate and welcome you back to sit with us. And so Unicorn Venice is an incredible force to be reckoned with. And I am always excited to sit with you because I always learn so much from all of your teachings, even if you feel they're long-winded. I don't know if it's that I like the sound of my own voice or that I love talking about things that go beyond what we perceive in any given moment. I don't think that there's enough of that in community. I resonate with that very much. And I resonate with the idea that there is a lack of sharing and a lack of knowledge or lack of growth within definitely many communities. And I don't know why everyone's not talking about this stuff. I agree. I don't know why everyone's Mm. this is not like on the forefront of everyone's consciousness as far as if you are really wanting to, I think, grow or work on the idea of an awakening or the spirituality or I don't even like any of those tag words, but you know, the things that people kind of throw up there, the idea of any kind of personal growth, we'll call it towards an ascension path. The idea is, you know, we really have to sit with all of this stuff. And why are we not doing more of it? (laughs) Well, I mean, my assumption in all of that is because it's great to talk about it, but it doesn't mean anything if you're not going to do it. And people are fucking lazy. And that goes back to the idea of being inspired. You know, and I think that's a huge part of this is like, we have to get back to the idea of being inspired in all dynamics. And especially if you view everything I believe as contracts, as in even like with lovers, like if you are a contract with a lover, your lover contract needs to be inspired. You need to put energy into that role, Mm -hmm. even if it's just a lover of life. I don't necessarily mean even in any kind of intimacy, but if you have that contract with somebody, I think it's important to recognize and honor that. That is something that requires something to be inspired with. No different than if you have one to be a parent or one to be a close friend or a confidant or whatever it looks like for you. It's important to recognize that with all these contracts, I feel like people really need to feel inspired by them and inspired within them. And I also think it's hard. Like the work is hard. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. and it and it isn't something that you can dip your foot into and then pull your foot out of and run away and do something else and then come back to it. I mean, in the beginning it is, but in order to really move and grow along spiritual lines eternally, quote unquote, mm-hmm. it never gets easier. It just gets different. 
but you can't let your foot off the gas pedal on it in many ways, right? And I think that's a daunting reality for some people. I think it's a daunting reality to think that it's like a never ending process of <laughs> doing the work, right? I think um, it's the idea of that we hope it part of the conditioning and the programming that goes into this human vessel of ours, it becomes I don't know, I want to say more quote unquote automatic, more in a line yes, to yes. resonate with certain yep. individuals, people, higher frequencies. I feel like we can condition our human vessel in a lot of incredible ways. And I think that if we truly work with our empathic skills, you know, like as a compass, like you said, it's a ch- every day, it's a choice. Every day there is work. Every day, this is a path Mm -hmm. of ascension. You know, it's a staircase, quote unquote, or a ramp or whatever you want to think of it like for a reason. (laughs) Yeah, there is there is a reason for this, Yeah, you know, and this is called a human experience because we are here to experience. And so it's important to recognize that, too, I think definitely puts in perspective of how we spend our days. The idea that we threw around before we got online together today is I kind of have a radical belief system that says when in relation to others, my only responsibility is to only ever focus on my part and particularly when it relates to conflict. And what I mean by that is I think oftentimes we can approach and I'll, I'll, we'll focus on conflict because it's, I think, the easiest to break down. Yeah. When we find ourselves or arrive in conflict with others, there's a whole reflection that often is, what did I do? What did they do? My sort of radical position is what they did doesn't ever matter. All that ever matters for the work I need to do is to look solely at what my part in whatever it is, is. The difficulty with that is that oftentimes it's not reciprocated. When I first started practicing this idea, I would look at my part, but then I would also go into the, we'll call it negotiation, wanting them to look at theirs. And, and truly what the essence of this practice that I'm talking about is, is that it actually shouldn't matter. That the exercise is for me in my journey to simply show up in my reflection of the situation and only focus on what my part is. If they're capable, if they're interested in looking at theirs as well, awesome. Oftentimes that can result in that relationship moving forward in a way that feels better for both people. For what I need in order to become the version of myself as I walk through the world that I really want to be is to let go of the need for that and to only ever really need to be like, okay, Venice, like, what is it? What is it that is your part? And then to go and make an amends and own that to the other person. What's interesting about the practice is that in the beginning, it is a discipline for sure. And it's a bit of a struggle because as I said, there's this idea that yes, this is my part, but this is your part. And yet the longer that I've practiced it and been on the other side of the value in what I get out of that, the need to have 
the other person acknowledge their part has melted away. And now the practice only ever is what it is and it doesn't require any discipline anymore. So that's kind of neat too, you know, the way that when we try these new ways of looking at processing, owning, if you will, our life, the gifts that come through the experience of the discipline of these ideas eventually are self-propelled. They're so intrinsically valued and, you know, on levels that we can't consciously understand that we become intuitively drawn to them as we move forward in our life in the in the after part of the the discipline to begin the practice. And the idea of the essence of the practice is really quite powerful. You know, what are some of the cornerstones do you think that help you step into that practice on a daily basis? Probably, I mean, now it's so natural, Jordan, it's hard to like pinpoint. But if I look at what, you know, some of the key outcomes of it are, the first one is that when I look at my part, immediately anger and resentment melt away is about what did I do instead of what did they do? Yeah. Now the ownership of that is so big that the anger and resentment that I might have felt toward whatever it is that they have done that I feel wronged me is irrelevant. And the anger and the resentment melt away. And so, you know, just that alone, like I said in my last podcast, the Wrath of Venice, like I used to be a rage machine. And now I can't remember the last time I got mad. One of the primary practices that allow me to live in my life that way is this idea of constant and personal accountability, solely focused on what is my part. Focusing on what is my part releases me from anger and resentment toward anything that is outside of that. So that's a big one. Life changing. And if that's all you got out of it, wouldn't it be worth it? The second one would probably be that from that place of understanding, you know, when I am more interested in my part than I am in your part, I then have an opportunity to change myself moving forward. If there is ever a focus on your part instead of, or as well as my part, then there's always this little opportunity to not be accountable. (laughs) You know, that little like escape, that little piece of me that somehow gets to rationalize things that might otherwise not be well advised to rationalize. As the result of that, I move forward as the same person or an improved but not hugely improved version of myself. Whereas when I choose to solely look at what it is and how it is that I can show up differently in my life moving forward, it's a much more powerful opportunity for me to accelerate the way in which I'm able to improve how I show up in the world. I think that is something that we all need to take note of because I think that, like you said, that you got nothing to lose. The other thing too that I can say that I've noticed is that when I show up from a place of being focused on my own part, it's very difficult not to respect that. If you're the other person, Mm -hmm. you know, the other person's just, let's just say you're in conflict with someone and you show up 
to work through it with them. And all you have to say to them is that I recognize this is my shortcoming. I recognize this is the way in which I acted, thought, exchanged with you in a way that I don't feel good about. And that's all you offer. What objection could the person have to how you are approaching some sort of reconciliation? It shows emotional maturity as well to be able to be mindful enough to articulate and communicate that as well. So I think that's also a part of this is it takes communication and willingness to be open with whoever this is having, you know, you're with the conflict. It's important to recognize that it definitely, it does not allow for more conflict. And it requires this authentic vulnerability on Mm -hmm. the part of the person that is owning their stuff. And I subscribe to an idea that says when we can be vulnerable we can experience the fullness of whatever is being offered I learned a long time ago that being vulnerable isn't a sign of weakness I find vulnerability can be a very powerful tool so long as it's applied in a way that has a foundation of very carefully determined principles and values. Without Mm -hmm. that foundation of principles and values, yes, vulnerability can be a weakness. But if you can show up and be vulnerable from this place of being strong in who you are and what you're all about, there is such a rich opportunity for connection. I would agree. And again, that's like the idea of authentic vulnerability. This has changed my perspective on many dynamics. And I mean that sincerely, because I look at this, like, you know, even with a situation like a mother, daughter or a parent role, I think, you know what, in my perspective, this is what a great idea to apply this, you know, am I being fully accountable in every aspect of my relationship? No different than someone with their partner or spouse, or, you know, a family member, it's important to recognize that, that if you are actually, like you said, accountable, fully accountable in all endeavors, How much could that really change how you interact with others? Wow. Yeah. And the opportunity that it offers for really loving relationship with people. By being accountable and by being vulnerable, it can soften the defense that someone might have. And that to me is just opens up a door for much greater intimacy and trust and connection and all the things that come along with relationship. This idea, as radical as it is, and we've talked about it and applied it in the context of conflict, but it truly applies for me across the board in everything, you know, like even with my work, for example, you show up for work, like I'm self-employed, so I basically, you know, work, but what is my part? in my relationship with my business. Yes, it's easy to use conflict as a vehicle to begin practicing this because it's so obvious. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be limited to human relationship, I guess is what I'm saying. You know, it's like eventually this practice, so when I say eventually this practice, it becomes so woven into the fabric of how you show up that you see yourself applying it across the board in pretty much everything in life. And from that place, you get to like be projected into all the possibilities and your full potential. So applying it in, like you said, in the low hanging fruit areas, and then 
receiving the gifts and the rewards of it and then considering whether there's other areas of your life that are not related to human relationship mm-hmm. are available for you to apply it and you're just going to see the idea flourish and like just grow so much in the ways in which it can be integrated into how you show up for yourself. I love speaking with you on every level, you know, it doesn't matter if you and I are texting, sending memes, you know, face to face, hugging it out. It doesn't matter. You know, I love you very much. And I always have such, you know, beautiful inspiration in all of our interactions. And for that, I am forever grateful for. Oh, baby. It's a two way street, honey. Oh, my friend. Thank you. We'll talk soon. 